Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Man, tonight is such a big night for Dog Nation. I'm so happy to get this day started here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Thar. But let me tell you about why tonight's going to be so much fun. At 6 p.m., we're all going to get together at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody for our big season kickoff show and get together we're going to do it out on the lawn weather permitting and it's going to be a great time and obviously so many of the folks from dog nation going to be on hand there for that but in addition to that uh former georgia quarterback jake Fromm is going to be on hand there as well jake is obviously a beloved former dog he's got great insight on having played for kirby smart he obviously was thrilled last year on the way to georgia winning a national championship and as you think about the dogs of the upcoming season we know jake's going to have a lot to say about that he's going to have some great stories to tell about his own career there too all of this gets going at 6 p.m. tonight. I'll give you the address. You've heard me do it already this week, but let me give it to you. It's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. That's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway for the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody. Uh, our friends from the Finnish Long Drink are going to be on hand. We've got a lot of great stuff going on tonight, 6 p.m., Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody. Can't wait to see you there for that. Now, let me also say this, and I'm very surprised about this. I have been given the green light to do something really cool. So we have some brand new Dog Nation Daily t-shirts. These are great looking t-shirts, really, really fun. And I've been told that tonight, we, I, we rarely get to do anything quite like this. But we're going to do this tonight. For the first hundred people through the door tonight at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody, we're going to give you a Dog Nation Daily t-shirt. Can you believe that? First hundred people through the door, I've been given the green light to say, y'all can get a Dog Nation Daily t-shirt. So that's the size and scope of what we're doing here this evening. Hang out with Dog Nation. Hang out with Jake Fromm. Enjoy yourself some finished long drink. Enjoy yourself some delicious chef-inspired food from Marlowe's Tavern. And also, first hundred people through the door are going to get a t-shirt courtesy of Dog Nation Daily. That is exciting stuff. Uh, brand new Dog Nation Daily t-shirt that we're looking forward to uh, debuting. So we'll give those out today. Can't wait for all of that. Now, that's tonight. Obviously looking ahead towards Saturday, getting ready for Georgia and Oregon. And I think that there is a tendency sometimes to make football more complicated than it needs to be. Obviously, football can be a complicated sport. You have you know, the verbiage the quarterbacks use, the, the different formations you see defensively, and you know, sometimes the, the football conversation that goes on just sort of sounds like gibberish. And when you have several months to get ready for a game, I think one of the dangers is you sort of talk a game to death and you kind of look at it from every angle to the point where you've almost deconstructed it too much and you've considered every possibility so much that almost you lose sight of what kind of matters most. And for me, when I think about Georgia, Oregon on Saturday, I look across the field at the Oregon Ducks and I've got great respect for Dan Lanning. I really do. I think that Lanning was a very good defensive coordinator for Georgia. I told you last offseason that Georgia spending big to keep landing, preventing him from taking the Texas job as defensive coordinator, something that he could have done under Steve Starkeesian for probably a, a much bigger raise than what he was making at the time. I said that was a big offseason coup. I think that Lanning's presence at Georgia a year ago helped Georgia win the national championship. So I have great respect when it comes to Dan Lanning as a coach. And even though I respect him, and even though I think he could have a very bright future in the coaching ranks, here's what I'm going to tell you. He faces an incredibly difficult task on Saturday. It is just an incredibly difficult task that when you're talking about being a rookie head coach 
and not just a rookie head coach. It is your first game ever as a head coach. And you are traveling, you know, darn near 3,000 miles, the full length of the continental landmass of the United States from Eugene, Oregon to Atlanta, Georgia. You're playing the reigning national champions in their own state, not their own stadium, not their own town, but at least it's their own state. It's a stadium they know well. Like, how hard does that sound like it would be? Well, my guess is the actuality of this is it probably will be just as hard as it sounds. This is a very tough spot on Saturday for a rookie head coach like Dan Lanning. Now, ironically, this week on the SEC Coaches Teleconference, this is something that happens every Wednesday where all the coaches kind of show up at the same place and the reporters ask some questions whatnot. Uh, Sam Pittman, who found himself in a similar spot a couple of years ago, although he was playing at home, and it was like this weird pandemic thing where Georgia ended up playing a game against Arkansas that it didn't know it was going to play, but Sam Pittman's first game as a head coach also came against the school that he used to work for in uh, UGA, and I thought that Pittman, who we all love and have great respect for, and we root for him on Saturday as his Hogs take on Cincinnati, at least I'll be rooting for them, and I'll also be taking the minus the six points, but that's a different topic for a different day. The point is, a lot of us like Pittman, and I thought it was interesting this week to hear Sam Pittman kind of weigh in on you know what it kind of feels like to play your first game against Georgia because you used to work there but also because of all the talent that UGA kind of has going for it and Pittman sort of described the feeling that he probably assumes that Dan Lanning is facing let me read this to you on the screen the screen here this is Sam Pittman discussing Dan Lanning he says at least Dan had it on the schedule when he took the job we told you before that in 2020 there were some SEC games added because of the fact that the non-conference games were all canceled related to the pandemic. So <laughs> Arkansas sort of drew the short straw that year of having to play Georgia when it didn't think it was going to. Uh, uh, Pittman goes on to say, I had no idea we are going to play Georgia here when I took the job. And they ended up being the first game due to the COVID situation. Uh, Pittman says he's going to be excited for it. He'll be well aware, well aware of what they do. Uh, and he also says, I'm really happy for Dan, a wonderful person, a great man. Kirby would say the same thing as well. That's Sam Pittman talking about Dan Lanning. And I think that's all really interesting in terms of being happy for him and being kind of, you know, sort of excited for a guy like this getting ready to coach his first game. And this is something that Dan Lanning himself has also talked about a pretty good bit here this week, including something the other day that got a lot of attention because he was sort of talking about being amped up and kind of being amped up formally as a player and as assistant coach throughout the years. And one of the things he sort of talked about was the specific way in which that sort of amped uh, adrenaline kind of shows up with him. This is a little bit of almost what you say sometimes is TMI, too much information. But nonetheless, Dan Lanning kind of gave you an idea of just how amped he expects to be on Saturday in his first game. This was Lanning from earlier this week. I usually get pretty amped, uh, especially once you're in the locker room there right before kickoff. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a calm before the storm. You know, I was a guy that has to pee like five or six times right before the game starts. Like, I'm, I, I love football, right? And uh, I'm still like that. So I'm sure I'll, right before I take the field, I'll be in the urinal and then we'll be, you know, get a break and then uh, get out there. So that may be more information than you ever wanted to know about Dan Lanning. But some of us who've played sports before kind of know how that feels like to sort of be all that nervous energy in the locker room before you kind of come out onto a court or come out onto a field. And if you've coached, you kind of do the same thing. And I think Lanning describes a feeling there that's pretty familiar for a lot of people, even if we haven't quite put it into the same words that Lanning kind of put right there. He also earlier this week kind of embraced the notion that 
for the most part, nobody really thinks Oregon's going to win this game. They have been more than a two-touchdown favorite all summer long. They are sitting around 17 points as an underdog right now. I should say Oregon is an underdog here in this game. Georgia, the the more than two-touchdown favorite, including about a 17-point favorite with our friends at uh, my bookie there at the moment. And so landing, like a lot of coaches do in a situation like this, sort of owns the fact that any kind of performance from Oregon that even gives them a shot to win would kind of be shocking the world. This was once again landing on that topic from earlier this week. You know, we don't really bother ourselves with the opinions of others, right? Nobody in Vegas is going to play in this game, right? Our players are going to play in the game. So we, we know what uh, everyone, you know, thinks of our team, and, and uh, that's okay by us, right? Our, our goal is to go out there and play the best game we can possibly play, uh, but that's going to have zero effect on this game. What other opinions, you know, the opinions of others is not going to matter. So Lanning says the opinions of others have zero impact on the game, but there are some people who wonder if there's something else that might impact the game a little bit. And it kind of goes back to something that Sam Pittman was saying a moment ago that, oh, you know, Dan Lanning's going to know a lot about UGA. And this is the kind of thing that Pittman can speak from with experience because he was coaching his first game against his former school as well just a couple of years ago. And Pittman kind of alludes to what a lot of folks have kind of talked about, which is uh, Lanning knows the Georgia personnel. You know, Lanning's been in those meetings with Kirby Smart. Lanning has some intel that could potentially help him against Georgia. And I understand kind of where that comes from. I really do. There are probably some things that Lanning knows about UGA that could conceivably help him. But here's the thing that I don't think has been fully considered as you get ready for a game like this, or maybe it hasn't been considered maybe as much as it should, is that while Lanning may know plenty about Georgia, he actually doesn't know that much yet about his own team and he's trying to figure that out. I mean, part of the reason they haven't named a starting quarterback is maybe there's a chance that Bo Nix just hasn't earned it enough to be actually given and announce that job here right now that maybe they want to see a little more from him. And it's not just the thing of, hey, we don't want to announce Nix as the starter because Ty Thompson might transfer. It's maybe possibly related to we don't want to announce Nix as the starter because that's the kind of anointing you do on a guy that's actually had a great summer. Maybe Nick's kind of hasn't. I mean, there's some rumblings coming out of uh, Eugene that that sort of might be the case here. And it, it's not just quarterback that kind of stands as an unknown on all of this. Y'all, being a first-year head coach is really, really hard. And we don't have to look that far to find examples of this. I was thinking about this today. Like 2016 seems like such a long time ago. It, it, it really does. That was Kirby Smart's first year at UGA. And so much has happened since then that it almost makes you forget how awful a lot of the 2016 season was for Georgia. And there's a lot of examples of this being true. But for some reason, the one example that kind of came to mind for me today is, remember like after the first few games, Georgia went on the road and it took on Ole Miss. Now, this was the 2016 version of Ole Miss. This wasn't 2014-2015 Ole Miss. Those teams played in the Sugar Bowl. This was an Ole Miss team that wasn't quite as talented as those you know, two Ole Miss teams prior to that had been. But still, it's Hugh Freeze's head coach and kind of a high-powered offense, whatever else. But this was kind of the first big test for Kirby Smart in his rookie season as Georgia coach going on the road in the SEC West. Do any of y'all remember what the score was that day? It was 45-14. to 14. Georgia lost by 31 points to like an average as grits Ole Miss team on the road. That was an eye-opening day for how bad it was for UGA. And a year later, Kirby Smart would be winning the SEC and making the college football playoff and coming with an eyelash winning the national championship. And a couple of years after that, he'd actually win the national championship. But as a rookie coach in 2016, he was kind of scuffling here a little bit. And the kind of 
tough-minded leader of men that Kirby Smart projects himself to be today, to be quite honest, he didn't exactly sound that way post-game Ole Miss way back in Oxford in 2016. Let me let you hear those words from Kirby going back then to kind of remind you about how many growing pains a rookie coach, even one that goes on to be great, the kind of growing pains that a rookie coach sort of faces. This is Kirby Smart from way back then. That's a rookie head coach right there. That's what it sounds like. That's a guy that's essentially apologizing for the performance of his team. Hey, we didn't do well today, but we'll come back and do better next time. And sometimes when you're a rookie head coach, even a coach like Kirby, who a year later would be like on the top of the SEC world in the college football playoff and taking Georgia to heights that had been kind of unimaginable prior to that. But as a rookie, you know what? A couple of times that year, he took it on the chin got blasted by averages grits Ole Miss, lost to Vanderbilt, um, you know, lost the Hail Mary to Tennessee. Like it was not a pretty season, and sometimes for rookie coaches, it ain't all that pretty. And I don't think that Dan Lanning is immune to any of that coming up this season and maybe there on Saturday. So the bottom line is this. I think this game has been analyzed every way possible leading to the start of the season, and now we're getting to the point where it's almost being overanalyzed. People are left to wonder, ooh, what kind of secret does Dan Lanning know that might give him an ah, you know, an edge against UGA? The answer to that question is probably nothing. It's, it's probably just not going to work out for him. He's got the inferior team. He's a rookie head coach. He's facing some travel challenges. Sometimes football is just simple. And the formula and the storyline on Saturday is kind of a simple one. This is the reigning national champs playing in their state against a brand-new program with a first-time head coach. And even if we all like Dan Lanning and think he has a bright, very bright future, that future for him is going to begin sometime after Saturday because, frankly, I don't think Saturday for him is going to be very pretty at all. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, whether it be on video, 945 for our first and 15, dognation.com or the Dog Nation app, or 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and we're available as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, all across the fruited plain of those podcast platforms. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us there on that. And big thanks to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp for making all this possible. Of course, they're going to be with us here for our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate coming up on Saturday. Excited about seeing the entire team there from Merriweather and Tharp, Bob Tharp and his wife Ashley and their family are going to be on hand there with us there too. And listen, family's important when it comes to Merriweather and Tharp, and they understand the way in which your family can be impacted by the divorce process. They encourage you to do something about that, maybe to prevent it from taking place. But if it's one of those situations where, hey, you've kind of thought about everything that's there and you know divorce is now the next step for all of you, 
all the more reason to have a strong advocate by your side as you go through that. The strength in this case comes from knowledge of the law, understanding how to leverage the law to your benefit, also kind of understanding what happens having been through cases similar to yours thousands of times in the past. You just develop kind of an institutional knowledge about all of this, and that can be put to work there for you to kind of restore your finances, protect your children or whatever may be going on in your specific situation. Meriwether and Tharp wants to hear your story, wants to guide you and lead you towards a path towards a happier tomorrow. And I do know Meriwether and Tharp can do that for you because I've heard stories of the people they've done that for in the past. It's one of my strongest recommendations is telling you about Meriwether and Tharp as a great, great advocate for you if you find yourself in the tough situation of having to go through divorce. So please find them online. They're your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them at the Atlanta divorce team.com. That website, once again, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. So I'll remind you one more time, as I told you earlier, tonight, 6 p.m., Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody for our big season kickoff event. Dog Nation on hand. Former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm going to be with us. And I've been given the green light to give out to the first 100 people through the door here this evening a Dog Nation Daily t shirt. So I'm so excited about that. It's going to be a cool thing. We will do that for you 6 p.m. tonight. Can't wait for all of that. Terrence Edwards stops by in a moment with Terrence Edwards on today's show. We have a very fun announcement we're going to make. We'll do that here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, let me go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And I think we got a little bit of a good news piece from Kirby yesterday, I guess a little bit here, as it relates to the health of Kendall Milton. I think that Milton is a potentially very important player on this Georgia roster. And I think Milton's one of the players in this team that a lot of Jordan fans are very excited about seeing what he does have in store for the upcoming season. And so yesterday, once again, on the SEC coaches teleconference, I referenced that a moment ago. Uh, but Kirby Smart, during his turn on that, was asked about Kendall Milton, who did miss, you'll remember this, the two August scrimmages because he was dealing with a hamstring injury. And Milton's career at Georgia at this point has probably been somewhat marred by injury there as well. But how is he, from a health standpoint, getting ready for Saturday? Let me read you this quote here from the teleconference. This is Kirby Smart on Kendall Milton on that. He says, he's done a great job of bouncing back from it, meaning the uh, the hamstring thing. He says, soft tissue injuries are hard to control and monitor. He had a few days he was not able to go full speed, but he was still able to do some things. So much of our game planning is in walkthroughs, and he gets to take the uh, mental reps. The full speed stuff is what he missed, but he's been able to get that for the last week or so. He says he's hit good numbers in the GPS. I think he's in good shape. He's very bright, so I'm looking forward to seeing him be a big part of things. It's Kirby Smart from the SEC Coaches Teleconference uh, yesterday. You can read more of that at dognation.com. Mike Griffith wrote a story about that. Now, honesty compels me to admit that the one thing that Kirby Smart does not come right out and say in that quote there is, yeah, Milton's going to play on Saturday. He's going to get, you know, 20 carries. Like, he doesn't obviously put any kind of specificity around the game on Saturday against Oregon. But the general feeling here is, is that Milton is heading the direction that he's supposed to be. And, you know, this could end up being a situation where, you're rooting for Milton's health more for his own sake than Georgia's sake because the fact is, whether Milton is fully healthy or not on Saturday, I think there's a growing level of optimism on the part of UGA fans about what this Georgia running game might look like because if Milton's not able to take those carries on Saturday, it sounds like Georgia would be more than fine giving as many carries as it can to running back Kenny McIntosh right now. I think that McIntosh, based on the whispers that have been out there, based on the things that Kirby Smart has said, based on the general vibe it seems to exist around the program, I think that McIntosh has been one of the real bright spots for the 
team thus far this summer. That's the sense that you get anyway. And if Milton is not healthy and not able to play uh, this weekend, obviously, you know, guys like Dejon Edwards and potentially Branson Robinson are going to be a little bit of part of this. Edwards, we know. Robinson, maybe. But if there aren't carries available for Milton because of his injury, then I don't think that Georgia have any problem whatsoever giving as many carries to Kenny McIntosh as it possibly can. And you get the sense that McIntosh himself sort of senses this too because I love some of the stuff that he said this week about the fact that, you know, he's waited at Georgia. He's kind of played behind James Cook and Zamir White and in a year in which Georgia needs somebody to step up, seems like he really has here this summer, and now he knows that his time could be now. This really could be his big moment here for UGA. This was McIntosh acknowledging that just last night. I mean, I've been like that my whole life, kind of like the underdog, you kind of want to say it like that. Um, so I've really been preparing for this moment just to come. So just for me to be here in this moment, thank God for me to you know finally be here to get the opportunity to go out there and you know, showcase my talent. So I love that from Kenny McIntosh because I think so many of us kind of understand these stories, you know, somewhat intuitively that it takes a lot of patience sometimes to play at a school like Georgia. The, the example we cite a lot is a guy like Channing Tindall. Tindall ended up being a third-round pick. That's a that's a guy that has an NFL future when you're drafted that high, and yet for most of Tindall's career, he was a backup. And in some cases, that was a backup not playing very much. And in this day and age in which a lot of guys are sort of you know, turn tail and run or have these big demands about things they want and sort of pout and sulk when they don't get their way. At a place like Georgia, you're going to be asked to be a little tougher than that. You're going to be asked to 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 be a little bit more patient than that. You're going to ask to sort of defer glory a little bit more than that. And that, that sort of request is not for everybody. Some people are just not wired to do that. But the ones that are have a chance to truly be great. Channing Tindall was an example of that last season. And Kenny McIntosh may be one of the versions of that here this year. That maybe McIntosh the last couple of seasons could have looked around saying, gosh, I'd be playing a lot more if I was at that school. I wouldn't be winning as much, but I'd be playing more. Look at all the carries I'd get. I'd be on the cover of the whatever you're on the cover of here in 2022. used to be the media guy. I don't know if that's still as much of a thing anymore. But the point is I'd be getting a lot more attention if I was playing at this school. Yeah, we'd be going to the Weed Eater Bowl, but at least I'd be getting 40 carries or however many carries I wanted. Uh, But for a guy like Kenny McIntosh, he deferred that glory. He's waited until now, and the glory that he's been waiting on may indeed come his way here this season. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. I love what ServPro can do for our audience because think about your home here for a moment or think about the commercial real estate space that your business is housed in. Think about these important structures that are a big part of your life and think about damage occurring to one of them, fire in your home or water intrusion to your to your business, something along those lines. Like That's the kind of thing that really – you know, threatens your safety and security. If you're talking about your home, your comfort, certainly, and your business, it could threaten your livelihood, right? And so when you're facing something like that in a personal real estate or commercial real estate property, you want it cleaned up fast. And if you could possibly wave a magic wand so that it looks like it never even happened, well, of course, that's what you'd want to do. And that's what the restoration specialists at ServPro are all about. Your cleanup job, fire, water intrusion, whatever's caused this to take place, the folks at ServPro step up and get it done for you and leave it like it never even happened. It's going to look just as good as new when the folks from ServPro are all done with that. Each and every one of those franchises independently owned and operated. So you're dealing with business people that have a big stake in the outcome, just like you do, of course. That's why I want you to reach out to them online at ServPro.com. That's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. 
That is the uh, website to check out ServPro and let their restoration specialist do some great work for you if you're facing a big cleanup job around your house or around where you work. So it's great to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. we got a lot of fun stuff on the program. By the way, big night tonight in college football. We'll preview some of that, a couple of SEC teams in action. Also a really, really fun rivalry game that has a little bit of a Georgia tie-in. We'll do that before we're done on today's show. But for now, let's do more on Georgia-Oregon. Let's get an update on a little bit of a scary situation involving UJ players from earlier this week. And with Terrence Edwards on the show coming up in a few minutes, we'll make a big announcement too. So we got a lot going on. We're glad to have you with us for all of it. It is a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Let's do that with Terrence Edwards here right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with him. And uh, Terrence, we're glad to have you with us. I want to talk to you a lot about Georgia, Oregon coming up on Saturday. But if you don't mind, before we get there, a little bit of a scary situation uh, earlier this week. I've seen some of the photos on this. A guy that you know very well, Georgia tight end Eric Gilbert, was involved in an auto accident. Now, based on practice reports, it seems like he's been back and working with the football team. So from that standpoint, all seems to be well, but any additional update you can give us on a, a guy that's kind of been a little bit of a protege of yours when it comes to Gilbert? Is he okay after being involved in what appears to have been an auto accident earlier this week? Um, you know, I, I learned about the accident uh, like everyone else through the media, so I didn't have any idea. And uh, Eric is not a a big talker on the phone or text, so it's kind of when you get a hope to him, you get a hope to him. So I haven't had a chance to reach him. I even have to, I even haven't even tried. I'm just letting him, you know, focus on what he got to do. And uh, I'm gonna ask him after the game. I'll try to talk to him and see how he's feeling. See how he's feeling about, you know, playing for the first time in a year and some change. Um, but I haven't had opportunity to speak with him personally. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of a weird situation, right? Where, you know. <laughs> People have fender benders and stuff like that all the time, but if you're a former five-star recruit playing football at Georgia, a fender bender kind of becomes a little bit of a news thing there. You know, you're reminded in situations like this, if you're a player like Gilbert, that whatever attempt at privacy you might like to have, it's sort of hard to maintain that privacy when you're playing for UGA, isn't it not? Oh, most definitely. With the uh, with the advent of social media and camera phones, you know, everything is going to be uh, – Ten times greater than it was when I played. I mean, if I would got an accident when I played, I don't think that maybe the red and black would have picked it up. Sure. But other than that, it wouldn't have been really newsworthy. But now with the advent of social media and camera phones, everyone uh, could post uh, whatever happens going to be out in the world in three seconds. So you know you can't escape it. Uh, you know, and from all reports, man, he's fine, doing well, and I know he's looking forward to you know getting back on the field on Saturday. One more, I guess, kind of you know, final thought on this, and I want to talk about the game itself. And I'm reminded of what you've been saying to us all off season long, which is this is a guy that you know really well, and you know this is a guy who's been on a big journey to get back to football after transfer from LSU and spending last year away from the game. And I remember one of the things you said a few months ago that always kind of sticks out in my mind, Terrence, which is, hey, your version of an All American season for Gilbert is being back 
playing the game that he loves and having that big smile on his face and enjoying that process and that for all that we want to do in some cases you even see him projected as a you know potential first round pick things like that but for all of that talk that might take place in the future step one here is just appreciating a guy who's got a great talent for playing the game being back able to play the game that he loves and you've said in the past that would be your version of an all-american season just having him back being part of the game again and I think that perspective Terrence is probably a good one to remind ourselves of as he gets ready in some form or fashion to begin his career here uh, once again here this season most definitely, man. He's had a long road that personally he had to uh, overcome. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of issues that, you know, he has dealt with this last year and a half. And for me, you know, I'm gonna, if he catch a pass or not, if he play a snap or not, I'm just going to be happy when I see him run through that tunnel and warming up, just having that uniform on again and being able to perform in front of the dog nation in front of his home state, in front of his family. Oh man, it, that to me is is a victory, uh, and I, that's what I want people to take away from his appearance on Saturday. Just the road that he has to that he has and still continue to overcome. Uh, this just right now for me is a blessing, just for him to be able to get back to a normal life, being a student athlete and just being a regular kid again. It's, victory for me no I think that's really great stuff I'm glad to hear you say that how about the game itself Terrence the one thing I keep coming back to is is that you know a lot of the data points for Saturday seem to point to UGA for me on this I think that Dan Lanning is a really good coach but he is a rookie coach coaching in his first game I think Oregon's obviously a pretty good program they've got some talented players but they're traveling almost the entire length of the continental landmass to come play the defending national champions in their home state all of this sounds really hard to me and I know people have a tendency to want to kind of find some sort of way in which the underdog can keep it close or whatever else but Terrence I I just don't really see it I'm not quite sure how impressive UGA will be we'll find that out but in terms of Oregon being good enough and you know well built enough to really challenge Georgia on Saturday I think if UGA's challenged it comes in some future game I, I just don't see much the Ducks are going to be able to do on Saturday against the Dogs how do you feel about that you know what honestly I haven't really watched Oregon that much I do know uh the two linebackers we wanted uh Justin uh Flo and and, and Pene Sewell maybe right. Pene is his brother yeah yeah Noah Sewell uh, the linebacker the, yeah. the two linebackers those are two guys that I can remember in the recruiting process that we really wanted bad. So I do know those two guys are are really good football players, but I don't know too much about them. About Oregon, haven't seen enough of them to even say. But I just worry about us if we can if we go out there and play the way we need to play. And it's going to be the first game. I think Oregon can keep it close uh, to, in the beginning. I just think the depth that we have and the uh, now the of having that knowledge of winning the national championship and what it understands to, to win these big games. I mean, you just think about we played Clemson last year, it was 9-6, and we just pulled that game out. So just think this team is just a little bit more talented. Uh, but I, I, I love Dan Lanning. I think he's he has a bright future. But being a coming from a positional coach to a coordinator to a coordinator to a head coach, it's a lot different. So now he has to worry about all the segments of the team, not just control the defense. So – it's a tough test for him for being his 
his uh, first opportunity to be a head coach and gets a team that he knows very well. I think you bring up a really good point. Then you said what we're more worried about us. You know, Georgia thinking about it itself. It kind of a little bit of a measuring stick for how Georgia performs on Saturday and. I think the year-over-year comparison on this is pretty interesting. You know, last year, Georgia played Clemson in a neutral site. That was outdoors in Charlotte. But still, it's a big ranked opponent in a non-conference neutral site game. Georgia won, but it didn't score an offensive touchdown. The defense pitched almost a full shutout, keeping a Clemson team that had been a fixture in the college ball playoff to just three points. And that was a great Clemson defense and a pretty lousy you know, Clemson offense. So it's not a full comparison to what you're going to see from Oregon. But it is kind of an interesting sort of year-over-year measuring stick. Can the Georgia offense go out and score more points and put more offense together than it did a year ago in a neutral site game against Clemson? Can the Georgia defense that set such a high standard for itself last year in terms of how it kept Clemson out of the end zone, can it do something similar to that against these Ducks there on Saturday? That when you think about Georgia having been in a somewhat similar spot to begin last season, and we know how the Clemson game ultimately propelled everything else that Georgia did, that does, I think, provide a pretty interesting measuring stick for UGA on Saturday. Well, it definitely does, man. It's, I think it's, it's great playing these teams that Georgia norm, normally does not play. I think this is great. I think the Notre Dame series that we had a few years ago, I think the whole dog nation enjoyed that, that, that back and forth. So I, I really enjoy teams that we normally don't play, and it's a good test for us. Uh, this is a whole new team, uh, so we cannot expect the same outcome as we did last year. So it's going to be unique and different. I do think the offense will score points. I think they'll score a lot of points. I think now with Stetson being a three-year starter, I think him being on the monkey now uh, for three years and really understanding uh, the offense. I don't think last year that we really unleashed everything that we could have because I just don't think the trust factor was there. Uh, so now I do. I think there is a trust factor between – uh, Coach Munkin and, and Stetson, that he's going to allow him to just be Stetson. That's going to come with some, I think, boneheaded plays that we we'll, uh, have seen Stetson make. But you got to live with that because he's going to lead to eight down 18-13 against Alabama in that championship game and lead to the victory. So I'm, I'm excited to see this form of Georgia Bulldogs this year. 15 drafted, and now the guys that are waiting in the wings, it's their turn to prove that, they got to Georgia for a reason. Now it's time for them to showcase their talent because Jordan Davis is not walking back through them doors. Uh, that is uh, really strong stuff. I want to make a big announcement with you here coming up in a moment, but let me kind of follow up on this here a little bit too because you're right. There's a lot of new players, a lot of new you know spaces, and they um, are going to be asked to step up in a big way. And I'm reminded of something you and I have talked about before, which is you know, your senior year, Georgia played Clemson the first game, played that game in Athens. But I think the thing you've said in the past is, hey, there is definitely a different level of focus. You know, Alabama's playing Utah State on Saturday. And they're going to play Texas week two. But week one, you're a 40-point favorite against Utah State or – you know, some team playing Rice or something along those lines that that when your first game comes against an Oregon and when it comes in a 330 Mercedes-Benz Stadium, big stage like that, I think the things you've said in the past are there is just a different level of focus for players getting ready for a game like that. Would you mind going into more detail about why that is and kind of exactly how that feels that you do have just the, the extra energy that comes from playing a big name brand opponent to begin a season? So I, I can guarantee you this, and I don't think Nick Saban would ever admit this, but I guarantee you their game plans for for Texas have started a long time ago. I guarantee you their, their prep for Utah State probably started this week. 
so they're gearing up for to take on their former coach and understand what Texas is trying to do inside and out. And Utah just has to be their first opponent, Utah State. So once you plan like a big game like this, uh, the first game of the year, it's everywhere. I mean, everywhere we walk, when I played back in 2002, it's clips from something everywhere around the facility. So I'm pretty sure it's been uh, talked about this whole offseason that you got Oregon, you got Coach Dan Landon. He knows the, the players intimately. He knows the weaknesses. He knows the strengths. So there's probably going to be a lot of changes of the signals and everything that they've done in the past because Coach Landon knows everything uh, in and out. So the preparation for this game is uh, it's heightened. It, it's a little different than playing Utah State the first game. It, it, it's a sense of urgency. It's, it's a sense of we can't lose this game because we're out of the national championship. Now it's let's win this game because we are the Georgia Bulldogs. We are the national champs. we got to go out and defend our crown. And defending your crown against a team like this means a little bit more than playing Mercer or Georgia Southern. Nothing against those schools, but playing against Oregon, an opponent that you haven't played before, it's heightened their sense of urgency a lot. Well, speaking of heightened anticipation, that's certainly true for Georgia-Oregon on Saturday, and it's also true for Dog Nation as well. I'll tell you more about why coming up. But first, let me remind you, this is a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with our friend Terrence Edwards. Glad to have him, as always, a part of the program, what we're doing here around here. My invitation to you is to check out a really fun thing going on right now at Marlowe's Tavern. How about the big Marlowe's Tavern grilling contest? That's right. Let the flames begin. It's getting going here right now. You can enter your best grill recipe for your chance to win a big green egg. How about a great, great giveaway courtesy of Marlowe's Tavern. By the way, over the years at Marlowe's, we've had their chefs out they're cooking on the big green egg it's always really fun to kind of do something like that they're great when it comes to uh, those outdoor grilling type things and they want to celebrate your own success when it comes to cooking on the uh, big green egg there too and you may have a chance to win one there as well it's the 2022 marlowe's grill contest we know you love to grill and we can't wait to try your most creative enjoyable recipe item so make sure you send that in uh and when you do you're gonna have a chance the uh, first prize here is a big green egg the second prize how about a 250 gift card that's awesome third prize 150 gift card and you've also got a people's choice award which is a 250 gift card 250 gift card there as well so big opportunity for you to win your great recipe uh from our friends at marlowe's tavern it's the 2022 marlowe's grill contest so you can go to marlowe's tavern.com to enter uh to win here now the contest going to end on october 3rd and the winner is going to be announced on october 22nd so get in look for your chance to uh win there on that get your recipe submitted and you could win a big green egg or a bunch of gift cards courtesy of our friends there at marlowe's tavern all right terrence i have waited long enough i am so happy to let folks know this as we said before heightened anticipation all around dog nation for these dogs but also a big year for us there too that means the dog nation post game show immediately after the game on saturday terrence we uh, have finalized this contract negotiations have been completed we are so happy to uh, bring you back on board for the dog nation post game show here this year excited to have your take uh, after each and every georgia game on the dog nation video channels we know you as a great former georgia player but nobody loves their alma mater more than you do and nobody has better insight i would say into how the games themselves unfold and listen i'm always very emotional and i'm you know maybe a little too high after a win a little too low after a loss we need a kind of a level-headed respected analyst like yourself to kind of uh keep things where they're supposed to be and we couldn't have a better one than you there on that so thank you so much for being a part of this i can't wait to have you back on the dog nation post game show here this season including on saturday night after the game in atlanta 
I know BA was a long one year hard negotiation and we <laughs> we went back and forth to figure <laughs> this out and I am so happy <laughs> that we worked this out. I mean, man, it was it was tough with you in the negotiation room, but we're finally back. I can't wait to be back on the poster. Post-game show. Yeah, Terrence, I'm really happy to have you there as well. And I know you had a great week last week in uh, Canton, Ohio. Your Milton team was there and uh, playing really one of these like top national teams. A lot of these Georgia teams playing these big national games. You had that with Milton there last week. You're back home now. And obviously, uh, when you can, when the uh, schedule allows, you're doing some of that work with Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy there as well. So before we say goodbye to you, remind folks how they can get in touch with you online through your social media. You can find me on all social media accounts at Terrence Elwood's Wide Receiver Academy. Sure enough, Terrence, I'll see you on Saturday. I'm very excited about that. Your take on the game going to be a great one to get. We'll talk to you then. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so here's the honest truth about the Terrence thing, and uh, we'll kind of walk you through this. So Terrence Edwards first appeared on the Dog Nation postgame show in 2020. Now, here is sometimes the trick with stuff like this. It's like, okay, so I'm on site at the game and Terrence is back in his home there in the Atlanta area and connecting via the, you know, the interweb type stuff was a little easier to do in 2020 because if you looked around, there was nobody in ga- at the game. And a lot of you know this from trying to like text your friends, you know, after the game, you're trying to meet up or do whatever else. Like getting that text message to go through sometimes, getting that communication via cell phone in a crowded stadium environment, not always an easy thing to do. And sometimes that can kind of wreak havoc with sort of our broadcast plans there as well. And so in 2020, very easy to connect with Terrence for a postgame show with him uh, you know, being remote where he was and me being there at the stadium because you didn't have 90,000 people at most of these games kind of pulling down on your bandwidth. Well, last year, 2021, you try to do something like that again, and all of a sudden you got full crowds back again, and sort of connecting via the digital space was not always super easy to do. This is more information you want to know, but this is the truth. Uh, So we've kind of upgraded some of our technology stuff here, and all of a sudden now it's a little bit easier to kind of connect in situations like this. So, hey, we want Terrence back a part of the show because we think he is a big part of the show. And now technologically speaking, we just have a chance to do that again. So that's more information than you want, but it is certainly accurate information. So there you have it there on that. And here you have it as well with our friends at Royal Caribbean because it's time to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean here today. And obviously, you already know it is a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. More on that coming up for our Golden Shoe here a little bit later on today. Some of you enjoying your Royal Caribbean cruises right now. And if you've heard me talk about it, you know, don't just be a spectator on this. You know, we're a spectator to Georgia football, and we watch that on a weekly basis. But when it comes to fun and vacations and things like that, don't just watch somebody else have fun. Don't just be a spectator to their lives. Get out there and have your own fun there as well. And that's what Royal Caribbean's all about. The great amenities on board these terrific uh, ships, you know, Playmaker Sports Bar. That's one of the things that always comes up is, B.A., when I'm on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, how can I watch the game? How can I watch sports? Well, so many of these Royal Caribbean cruise ships, including the one we were on back in uh, the spring, Independence of the Seas, so many of these cruise ships have a Playmaker Sports Bar. So you're actually like watching all the big games. The night of the NFL draft, we had a huge draft party uh, hanging out. We had a 
fun kind of like it's like a it was like a vip you know like for those of you who have been like the vip room the club whatever else this is what that kind of was we we're like an elevated top level of the cruise ship we were uh, outside big screen in front of us watching the draft it was a great great experience so for those of you who are wondering hey can i get the sports while i'm on a royal caribbean cruise ship yeah with our friends at royal caribbean you certainly can and our good friend jessica slater can help you out with that you can find her online it's dreamvacation.com slash j slater dreamvacation.com slash j slater you can also give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-947 you can check her out on all that and she's going to help you get up and running with a great great royal caribbean cruise vacation now that said let's get ready to go cruise around the sec here today courtesy of royal caribbean and a couple of pretty big pieces of news that were kind of off the radar because most of us are thinking about the start of games and yet powers that be are using this as a time to like hey don't forget about us we still matter here and so it seems like as you head towards Friday, you're going to have one of these you know, important councils related to the NCAA and the college football playoff, once again, considering the idea of playoff expansion. This has been one of those sort of start-stop things over and over again where the 12-team playoff expansion was at one point in time basically agreed upon, and then the conferences that sort of were the so-called alliance all got together and said, well, if the SEC wants it, we don't want it anymore because they were, they were, you know, they play too rough. They went out and got Texas and Oklahoma, and we're not happy about that. So we're going to band against them. And if they want 12-team expansion, we're not going to give it to them. And the SEC, Greg Sankey himself, just sort of shrugged all of that off and said, well, okay, we'll just keep the 14 playoff. Our league's doing pretty well in the 14 playoff as it is. Well, ultimately, and this is one of the things that sometimes you're kind of reminded the level of mediocrity of the people that sort of rise to big time power, especially when it comes to kind of university influence, college athletics. These are deeply unimpressive people in some cases. And I think an example of this when it comes to playoff expansion, because, you know, Pac-12 folks and Big 12 folks and ACC folks and Big 10 folks there as well, they know that expansion is sort of the best overall idea for them. It's going to make them more money. Some people believe uh, it's also better competitively too. Not everybody believes that, but most people kind of believe it would be better competitively to have an expanded playoff. I, I guess I'm probably in that category too. I'm, I'm happy with the idea of playoff expansion. I think it's just silly though that this was only briefly not happening because that's what the SEC wanted. It's one of the reasons why I don't really have much of any respect whatsoever for Kevin Warren, the Big Ten uh, commissioner. He's like kind of the he's like the worst version of a politician. When it comes to to this kind of stuff, he was very anti-SEC around the time of the SEC expansion until the Big Ten basically went out and did the same kind of thing, adding USC and UCLA. And all of a sudden, at that point in time, now that the Big Ten was essentially behaving just like the SEC, all of a sudden Warren sort of decided, well, I'm not quite so anti-SEC anymore because we're basically doing the same thing they're doing. And over and over again, that's kind of what you see, whether it be issues related to expansion or even more serious issues like the decision to even play football back in 2020 warren's the kind of guy that sort of thinks of himself as a leader but when key decisions are there to be made eventually only ends up being a follower now you've got you know the media carrying his water left and right but nonetheless that's the truth here is that this is not a i think serious person this is a person that essentially follows the sec's lead and when it comes to the future through expansion things like that uh, another example of that being true that's not to say that the big 10 isn't sitting on a pile of money they clearly are they just you know negotiated a huge media rights deal but let's not you know mistake that for actual you know you know uh, success you know it's just simply a matter of kind of inheriting a, a very big very very profitable league so now cooler heads are going to prevail and 
the rest of college football seems ready to move on with what they were originally going to move on with towards anyway which was an expanded playoff and the sec seemingly has sort of been fine with this no matter what it is however that's not the only big change potentially uh, in store for college sports here there as well this one now is a f- official is that there are some new transfer windows that have been adopted now, i'm going to read this to you because it's a little bit complicated but the new rule that's going to be in place is going to create some boundaries about when folks can transfer it's apparently 45 days a period of 45 days starting the day after the national championship selection or the you know the college football playoff selection and then a 15-day period in the first two weeks of may at the end of spring practice now i'll point out it's a little later than the previous transfer window was but also this past year the transfer window post spring practice wasn't nearly as crazy as a lot of folks thought it was in fact i think there were some programs that thought they were going to build their roster based on post-spring practice transfers, and a lot of those didn't really come. We'll see if the two-week period uh, later in May ends up being a, a, a bigger deal for this upcoming year. But this past year, the late transfer you know, situation leading into May 1st did not turn out to be um you know did not turn out to be all of that uh substantial it also says that quote reasonable accommodation will be made for players in the fbs and the fcs national championship games as far as making their own transfer decisions there on that i mean i don't know how much stock i put into rules like this i do think there should be some parameters around transfers i do i i don't know how much stock i put under these rules because for the most part rules are made to be broken when it comes to this kind of stuff so you know to me this sort of feels like the ncaa having to have one more power flex before they're completely removed from the college football discussion and eventually that's going to happen at least at the kind of the fbs power five level they are clearly going to break away from the ncaa eventually but for now the ncaa but we've, we've seen them flex a couple of times here as of late when it comes to uh, a couple of rules or enforcement of rules things like that kind of the death rattle of this organization if you will at least when it comes to football and maybe that's an example of this here too um i saw where nick saban had a funny thing so Alabama's got a couple of injuries, a couple of banged up guys, and Saban, one of his press conferences, he gets a little testy from time to time, and uh, Saban kind of fired back at a reporter. Reporters asking about injuries, and like, I guess Saban's sort of t- tired of giving the same injury update every single time, and says, you know, I'm not going to do this every week. I'm not going to update you on these injuries each and every week, or something along the lines of that. And I couldn't help but think, wow, this may be the definition of irony. For a guy in Saban who spent the entire offseason talking about injuries from last year's team, all of a sudden, now that Alabama's getting ready to play this year, no longer wants to talk about injuries? But don't you kind of find that to be a little bit interesting? Because clearly when it comes to defensive backs and wide receivers and excuse, 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 woulda, coulda, shoulda from the national championship game, Saban had no problem talking about injuries all offseason long. But now that we're back in season again, it seems like Nick Saban doesn't quite want to talk about injuries quite as much anymore. So uh, I guess do with that what you will. It's also a big Thursday night in college football here uh, this evening, which I'm really excited about. So the big game is the uh, backyard brawl. This is a great rivalry between Pitt and actually Pitt hosting West Virginia. Game also made more interesting because of the two former USC quarterbacks battling each other. JT Daniels, of course, you know him from most recently of Georgia, uh, against uh, Keaton Slovis there at Pitt. I saw where Slovis he kind of like really ripped into West Virginia at some pep rally thing the other day. So this is a great rivalry. This is going to be a good game, and I'm actually really excited about this. This may be one of the better games of the weekend overall. So that's uh, pretty fun to think about. I guess the other games of note, uh, Penn State and Purdue uh that's a situation where penn state goes on the road it's kind of a small favorite there against jeff brom remember purdue has pulled more big upsets than just about anybody in college football this would not be a huge upset because you know purdue is only a 
three or so point underdog. But I think that Penn State Purdue could be a little bit fun, uh, worth watching. And you got a couple of SEC teams in action there as well. Don't you have SEC teams? Yeah, you got you got a couple of SEC teams here tonight. Uh, you got Tennessee against Ball State, and you've got Missouri against Louisiana Tech. So a couple of SEC teams playing a Big Ten matchup between Purdue and Penn State, and a great rivalry between U.S. Uh, former USC quarterbacks with uh, Pitt and West Virginia. So that's pretty good stuff uh, coming up there today. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of Royal Caribbean, I tell you, y'all know me so well. You know my heart so well. And so many of you were kind enough to share with me your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. You make me jealous because I wish I was on one. But you get me excited about the season being over when you get a chance to take, when I get a chance to take my own. How about Phil Underwood weighing in here? It's a great day to be a Georgia Bulldog on the Harmony of the Seas. I was actually on Harmony of the Seas in February. So I had a great time there on that. Glad to see Phil and uh, his significant other having a good time, too. If I recognize that picture from the bottom right, it looks like St. Thomas to y'all. Those of you that have been there before, maybe Macon's Bay there in St. Thomas. If I'm if I'm correct, I believe that's where that might be. But Harmony of the Sea is just a beautiful ship and a fun one to be on. So glad to see Phil having a good time. We will make him a golden shoe winner for today, and it gets me excited about my cruise vacations here coming up by the way uh we'll do a shoe dump tomorrow we'll give out a bunch of golden shoes because i've got some really good ones that have come in this week and gator hater updater nothing good about that about four thousand nine hundred eighty three days since those lousy stinking gators have won a national championship and 58 days from right now dogs back in jacksonville beating up on florida again you love to think about it it is our gator hater countdown and we will see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take your comments on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or at the comment section at dognation.com. Got an interesting message from John Gluck, who said, I'd love to know what you think about this. I heard you and John Stinchcomb talking about Bo Nix not faring well against UGA. He says that's true, but this is also an offensive line that Oregon has that's going to be a bit of a difference for Nix than what he played with there at Auburn. Auburn had some offensive line struggles. Obviously, during the Nix era, Auburn had struggles almost every variety during the Bo Nix era and those struggles obviously continue to this day I think that's a fair point and listen I do think it's a legitimate storyline in this game that Bo Nix has played Georgia three times before and never played particularly well because while the you, know, you may say the, the Oregon offense lines better than the one he had at Auburn the overall talent level is at least similar if not a, a little bit of an edge in you know in favoring Auburn on that so the fact that Nix hasn't played well against Georgia probably matters but I also think there's a little bit of a, a misnomer in relationship to that is the truth is that Bo Nix really did not have that bad of a year last year for uh, for Auburn, all things considered. He's never played well against Georgia, but he didn't exactly play terrible last year, that this was probably a better quarterback than some folks realize. In other words, you know, beginning of the season, you know, early days of the uh, Brian Harson era, they had considered like replacing with TJ Finley. And I guess Finley came in and saved him against Georgia State. Was that Georgia State last year? My memory is so bad sometimes, but I believe it was Georgia State a year ago. But eventually, like Nick's kind of reasserted himself and really was the guy for Auburn at quarterback last season. So does does Oregon have a pretty good quarterback in Nick's? They might. I still don't think that matters as much against Georgia. I, I do think that Oregon's offensive line, the experience they have, the the fact that that's a group that's played pretty well, you know, even without Penny Sewell, um, I, I think that matters. I think, you know, like there's a reason that Oregon's ranked 11. There's a reason why they're, you know, among the favorites in the Pac-12, although not the number one favorite, but among the favorites of the Pac-12. All of that really matters, and the presence of Knicks could actually be a big deal in the conference race. But I still 
uh, you know, reassert my original opinion that I don't think that his likelihood of faring any better against Oregon with Oregon against Georgia is any better than it was in his previous matchup when he took on Auburn. But it is a um, it is a good point, though. So thanks for being here uh, as a part of our podcast cool down here today. We'll look forward to being back with you tomorrow. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And of course, here on the podcast cool down presented by our friends at R.S. Andrews. You can find them online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised. They'll get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs and only cost $99. So check them out online at rsandrews.com. We will see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll talk to you then.